Welcome, friend. This is I Need Thee Every Hour, a podcast dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are listening to your ministering sister, Casey Mills. Hey there. Welcome back. We are starting the Divorce Twilight Zone Part 2. I had some more thoughts just to preface this idea of just divorce in general. Um, my my parents uh, divorced when I was 18, and I have two sisters and one brother uh, that have been through a divorce. Um, and my family, we are, yeah, we are not um, strangers to divorce. And I, you know, I felt like uh, my parents were uh, pretty darn amicable, still are. And most especially uh, my oldest sister, uh, when she went through uh, her divorce, um, I felt like they were a great example. Um, they, meaning her and her ex-spouse, were a great example to me of being uh, amicable and respectful. They handled everything um, outside of court. Uh, they were able to work together on things. And, and this was even with um, being uh, not living in the same state. They were able to um, work things out. Um, both uh, had uh, remarried, um, not not you know too many years after their divorce, and uh, and even their spouses, um, you know, were were great additions to the um, to the dynamic. And really, and even now, like they are, they're the unicorns because they are actually friends. Like now that now that they're a mutual child, they had had one child together um, uh, before their divorce. And now that that child is grown and has uh, uh, children um, of her own, um, you know, you could say, well, they wouldn't have to still communicate with each other, um, but they totally do. And uh, and even um, have visits and they're friends. They're all really great friends. And I mean, <sighs> It's pretty, pretty incredible, pretty incredible. And I just, yeah, I just love all of them. And I think that was really, really to my niece's um, great, great benefit and blessing. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish every day that, that um, I had had an amicable situation. I don't want to be best friends with the guy, um, but uh you know, but even just how well I feel like my husband and I have uh, been able to uh, be amicable with uh, his ex-spouse, uh, it just feels to me like it's not impossible. And 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 not only is it not impossible, it's not impossible for me. You know, I certainly could have had an ugly situation, I suppose, with. Um, with my husband's ex-spouse, but, um, you know, I feel like I tried really hard and I, one, one little trick 
um, that that the Lord showed me that helped me to um, view her in the right way and view things in the right way was I I I looked. I basically was trying to look at her from a perspective of if she was not my husband's ex-wife, let's say I knew her in a different setting, like say I knew her from work or church or whatever, right? Would I be friends with her? Would I be friendly with her? Would she be someone that I would get along with? And I just had to say right off the bat, totally, I totally would. So I just felt like, well, then, then if, if she, if she can, you know, feel things were, you know, amicable for her and not feel any sense of, oh, I don't know, jealousy or, or as if I was, you know, um, treading on her, on her role in, in, um, in my stepdaughter's life, um, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, um, you know, obviously that's to her credit too. She's, she's the kind of person that, that was, I felt easy was, excuse me, that I felt was easy to get along with and easy to, to just like her. And, um, I'm not, now I'm not perfect. All right. That, that makes me sound like, Ooh, it was just so easy. And it just went splendid right from the start. No, no, I mean there was there was definitely hiccups along the way, and I had to get past some of my own um, issues with things, and I had to swallow my pride a bit, and I, you know, I yeah, it wasn't easy, <laughs> but but I knew it was important. And another key thing that uh, I I kind of was trying to make a little deal with Heavenly Father as it as it were a deal, you know, I guess if, if I could call it that was just to say, well, you know, I, I'd like to treat her as best I can. I'd like to treat her the way I would like to be treated. And incidentally, I was not being treated that way, but I still wasn't about to take it out on her. I still ha- felt strongly that she deserved to be treated that way. And I felt, I felt like I'm maybe, maybe in some way I'm earning my right to eventually be treated with respect in regards to who I am in my kids' lives. Um, anyway, just just I just really, really tried hard to um, handle things not only like an adult, but but like like Christ would want me to. So yeah, again, not easy to do, but simple. Um. So yeah, I had had uh, great examples um and I you know it's funny cuz I think back and even before I even got serious about wanting a divorce uh, from my previous spouse um I remember you know cuz like you you see and you hear things you know maybe my family or you know media or whatever the case may be <clears throat> and and it just seems kind of like the norm is to be ugly and use children like a like a a, um, a tool or or um, a, you know in a tug of war kind of a thing. And I feel like for the most part, it looked like it was women doing that kind of a thing uh, to the ex husband and using using the kids um, to hurt the the uh, ex husband and and just you know just petty stuff I mean whatever right I I, I can't judge people's situations but that's just kind of what I feel like is portrayed generally 
And so from my perspective, well, if this is the women that are doing this kind of thing, well, then then it's perfectly within my control to have this divorce be amicable. Um, and so, like I said, even way before um, I even was seriously thinking about divorce, I remember thinking if I was ever in that kind of situation, I, I would be nice. Like I promised myself, I told myself, I swore to myself, I would be nice. I would be respectful and cooperative and, and respect my uh, my children's father's role in, in their lives. So it just anyway, it's just funny, funny that I would have even had that kind of a thought and already kind of made my made that pact within myself that I would not be the one to create drama. And somehow I guess then once divorce came uh, on the table, then then, yeah, I mean, my thought was, well, I, I'm going to make sure that this is amicable. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mistakenly thought that I was in control. I don't know why, right? I mean, I think I've given a lot of evidence to the contrary that I was definitely not in control <clears throat> of, of anything um, in, in my life. And uh, my ex-spouse very much controlled everyone and everything. Um, I, one, uh, one key thing then, I, I, I guess I should lead in, uh, the next part that I probably should share is that when I decided to separate, I, there's a lot of things that happened, a lot of things that went down. Um, there was ugly stuff, uh, going on at that time. And so it just kind of, felt like things kind of came to a head a bit to where I just was like, I'm done. I'm done. And uh, I said, I want to move out. And luckily, I had a friend who um, happened to have an open bedroom and was willing to let me move in with her. Um, now, that would seem odd that I would leave the marital home and my children's home. I feel like I should mention that I was the breadwinner and had been for, I guess, four years, maybe, or almost four years at that point. I had been the primary breadwinner and I, and there were m many times before that, that when we would get into um, fights, that I would try to ask him to leave, demand even that he leave. Um, our Our fights were you know, I, I tried my best to keep things to, um, like, after the kids were in bed kind of a thing so that they weren't uh, witnessing anything. Um, tried to shield them from it as much as possible. Um, but he, when he wanted to pick a fight, he wanted to pick a fight. And I wasn't able to say that it wasn't a good time or you are not able to be uh, reasoned with right now. So we need to not do this right now or let's not do this in front of the kids. You know, that kind of stuff was not OK, not OK with him. And 
I and there were definitely times when he I would try to walk away and say I need to cool down. He wouldn't let me walk away. He'd follow me into whatever room I went into. Um, maybe I would say you need to go cool off now now I need to say his family he had all of his family living close by like within close driving distance like we're talking within 20 minutes okay his parents house was the closest and I had no family around none none close not even in the same state so you know, when you think of, okay, you, you need to cool down, right? You need to go somewhere. You need to whatever, right? And and he was so, he was so all about his family. It was just pathetic. But, but in those moments when it's like, you, dude, you need to cool down. Like, you got to stop. Like, we're not getting anywhere with this. Like, just, can you just go, like, just go to your parents for the night or, or just go there to cool down or go vent to them or something. Like, I just, I didn't know what to do. You know, it really had like I said, built up. And he just wouldn't. He wouldn't leave. He just wouldn't leave. And so I knew, I knew if I was going to get away from him, I had to be the one to leave somehow. And um, anyway, um, so that's why I I ended up leaving the the marital house and uh, and moving out. And I felt like, well, I, I had the income and I, you know, there was there was certain uh, financial uh, implications and things that I had agreed to even during the separation. And then anyway, I, I really, like I said, when I say I was trying to be nice, I was trying to give him time to find work. I was trying to be cooperative with childcare. I just, I, Honestly, I, I've I've looked back and I've poured over the the past and the details and things that I remember and I just every every way I look at it, I I really felt like I tried my best to uh, just say, look, you you hate me. We are not good together. I don't want to fight with you anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, you you need you need something different. I need something different. This just isn't working. You know, I mean, it, and that's just that's totally oversimplifying it. And he acted like he agreed with me at first. He he actually, he and his family were shockingly nice. And I was lulled into this false sense of security that they actually were like, okay, great. He, he didn't want to have to be the one to ask for a divorce. <laughs> you know, no one wants to be the bad guy, right? So, you know, maybe they were just grateful that I that I finally just said enough. You know, let's just let's just end this. Let's be nice. Let's do this amicably. Let's, you know, I, you know, if I have to work, I think you should have to work, too. Let's do this 50 50. Well, let's work something out, you know, and he so here, major, major mistake on my part. His brother, uh, one of his brothers, uh, I don't know if he is still a lawyer, but he was a lawyer at the time. And uh, incidentally, not a family law attorney. So that was mistake number one, using someone that was not a family uh, law attorney. He actually did, um, I can't even remember what it was that he did, but I know it wasn't family law. Anyway, and and I, I don't know if he could get in trouble for this or not, but he should not have um, 
portrayed himself in the way that he did and acting like he was representing both of us in in drawing up divorce paperwork. Um, my understanding is he should have recommended to me to hire my own lawyer, at least just to look over the paperwork, even if not to literally represent me. But he he offered to draw up the divorce paperwork free of charge. Um, he 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 expressed that he loved both of us and loved our children and just wanted what was best, wanted us to have things be amicable. Um, he he said everything right. And I was so grateful. I was so grateful. I thought, wow, what a nice person. You know, he's he's not angry with me. He's he's trying to help us out here, help us to save some money. He's he's telling me like it is the way the paperwork needs to be. Um, it had to be this way. It had to be that way, blah, 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 as if he knew. OK. Um, and his parents, his sister, who basically handles everything for everyone, um, you know, just really trying to be the, the the mediator and the communicator because he was having a hard time communicating with me because he was just so heartbroken that I want that I broke up with him. I mean, it was just oh, anyway. Um, so it was kind of an same same kind of thing, right? As uh, as as when I say once you get once you marry this person, um, then their true colors come out because you're stuck. Well, they did the exact same thing to me that once I signed this divorce paperwork, this completely terrible, I mean, terrible paperwork. What I know about divorce now and family law now, I'm just sick to my stomach that that this paperwork was drawn up so poorly and that I was completely manipulated into signing it. I was preyed upon, absolutely preyed upon uh, by all of them. They they had this whole thing orchestrated behind my back. And it was like, as soon as I signed this paperwork, that was it. That was it. And they knew they could do whatever they wanted because it was going to be an absolute impossible battle and 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 a bottomless money pit to try and change the paperwork, to alter anything, to try and mediate about anything, to enforce anything. Even the stuff that I, I felt like I got some wins in the paperwork, he didn't have to follow through on it. And it didn't even matter when I brought it to court. They still did not do anything. And that's a whole nother episode about how royally screwed up the uh, family court is. I mean, my goodness, I got, I took it up the tailpipe many times. Um, one thing that I, that I wanted to say um, was that after, one, one poignant thing that I wanted to mention was that after I had signed the paperwork and and uh, and I thought we had you know we had an arrangement, um, he had been um, he had started contacting like anybody who would give him an ear and was lying about me and just trying his best to turn everyone against me and he was very successful like like 
shockingly successful. Satan is good. Satan is really good. And and that was something that the Lord showed me is that he wasn't working on his own. He was purely a pawn. And so in that way, I can almost pity him, kind of like <laughs> I like to um, compare it to um, Bilbo Baggins um, having pity on uh, Gollum. And uh, yeah, it's that kind of a thing. It's just like this person is just a an absolute just disgusting version of themselves, what they could have been, what they were at one time, maybe. I mean, I just don't, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it, I'm, I'm sure he, maybe, maybe he was a nice boy. I, you know, I, I don't know. But um, he, he's, he's turned into quite a golem. But anyway, um, one thing that happened to me through, uh, through the process of him turning everyone against me is he had, I, in my in my perspective, he had turned everyone um, at our church against me. And I've, I've since found out that that's kind of like a thing within our church. And maybe it's a thing with other churches, too. I don't know. But it's kind of like this thing. Like, if people are getting a divorce, like, everybody thinks they have a right to know the details. And they think that they have a right to judge people. And whoever gets to the bishop first or whoever gets to, uh, you know, rag on the other person first somehow gets everyone on their side. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is – well, I, I don't, I don't want to give too too much uh, – um, uh, per, personal detail, uh, personal uh, information, um, identifying information, but uh, or excuse me, I guess I should say potentially identifying information. But I just, you know, that was something that was really, really hard to accept that these people that I had served with for years, um, people who I felt knew me well, um, people I thought I knew well, I mean, he, he, wasn't serving. I was often doing things that he was supposed to be doing that he had volunteered to do. We call it a calling. He had taken a calling for some reason, even though he had no intention of doing it. And so I, to save face and to protect him, I was doing his calling for him in addition to my own calling. So, um, you know, I, there was a, a two year period roughly where I was working full time doing school full-time or part-time. I was doing callings. I, you know, like I said, my own and his. I was trying to serve in other ways. I still had all my kids uh, that I was taking care of anytime I wasn't away at work or school. I was completely spread thin, completely spread thin. And uh, so, yeah, so to have have me finally just say enough, I'm, I'm done being abused by this person. I just want to split from him. And then to have everybody in the church totally turn against me. That was really hard because, I mean, certainly that's not what is taught in the church I belong to, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I mean, obviously, we are taught to be Christ-like. We are taught to be non-judgmental. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Uh, you know, people just don't, people just somehow think they have a right to judge you. And especially when you're dealing with someone, maybe they felt like they had no reason to believe that he was lying about me and no one bothered to come and ask me what the truth was or anything. <laughs> and uh, they just, yeah, completely turned on me and were even helping him. Um, you know, it's so pathetic to think about like 
He had so much help and resources, so much help and resources. And I had nothing, nothing. And here's this single dad getting people, giving him free childcare and bringing him meals and doing like practically wiping his butt. And I had nothing. I'm a single mom trying to work. And I find I had to quit school because I just couldn't. I, it was too much. And uh, I was I had nothing. I had no one. I had no help. No resources. Uh, I, sh- I shortly after we separated, I was laid off from my job. Um, so I w- it was scary. So I was living on um, on the the uh, benefits that you get from the government when you when you get laid off, um, which wasn't a ton, and it's temporary, of course. And then whatever savings I had that we had split between the two of us, I took my share and that's what I was living on. And I even was paying bills at the house he was living at. Anyway, anyway, I remember how devastated I was to have people that I thought um, believed in being Christ-like, have them turn on me. And it made me really question my membership in my church. It made me really question uh, the gospel. And I remember turning to the Lord quite, quite frequently and fervently because I, I was having a really hard time going to church, even though I, I was glad to have moved out and I had a different church. I, you know, a different uh, building, you know, essentially the same church, but different, you know, different meeting house that I was going to. So it was different people that were there, but, you know, but it was hard. It just kind of felt like everybody's going to judge me there too, you know, now as a single mom kind of a thing. And so I just didn't want to go to church. And I remember my my oldest um, child, my son, he had um, just barely uh, turned eight and, and been baptized um, right in the, in the throes of all of this. And I remember the Lord telling me point blank, if you do nothing else in regards to church or religion or anything, you and your son, uh, you know, my son, uh, said you need to get him to church too partake of the sacrament. The sacrament is our our, our uh, taking of the bread and water as a renewal of our baptismal covenants that we, um, t- to say that we are taking upon us the name of Christ, that we are going to be his disciple and Basically, we're going to we're going to live the way he wants us to live. And so to not even be going and partaking of the sacrament was something that I hadn't really uh, thought about. Um, But then through through my prayer and my wrestle with the Lord, uh, he told me point blank that he didn't care if I had a calling. He didn't care if I went to all the other classes and all everything else that was going on there. I didn't need to become best friends with people. I didn't need to do anything. He didn't expect anything else of me. He just said, the most important thing for you to do is to get your get your children there, especially your, your newly baptized son. Get yourselves there to get the sacrament. I don't care about anything else. That's the most important thing. That's kind of kind of the impression that I got about it was that that's really the whole point of Sunday attendance and worship. Everything else is extra, basically. Awesome stuff, right? Like Sunday school and and, and primary for the children and, and um, uh, you know, talks. Um, 
musical numbers, um, prayers, everything that makes church what it is, is wonderful, wonderful, and fulfilling, and, and, and all of that. But the whole reason why we do it is to partake of the sacrament. That is what it's about. And to miss out on that every Sunday was going to be detrimental to me and to my children, especially my son, was basically what was shown to me and that I needed to get there. I needed to make it there. And I remember, I'll just share this one last um, uh, thing, uh, story uh, in regards to that. I remember feeling like the Lord um, was, you know, just basically praying, okay, well, I got these, <laughs> I got these five kids and they're young and I, you know, it's not easy getting them to church, right? Especially when, we, you know, I, I hadn't been going for, you know, a little while. And uh, I tried so, so hard to get them to church on time. And it, I could not believe how difficult it was to get them to church on time that, that first Sunday after I had committed to the Lord. And I remember when we finally got there, so so the, the bread is what's given first. They do the sacrament prayer for the bread. They then, they then the bread is given out. Then they do the sacrament prayer for the water, and then the water is given out. Well, we got, we got, we arrived at church just in time for them to be um, bringing right before they brought out the water. And I cannot even express to you how devastated I was. I was just like, Lord, I tried so hard to get here and to miss the bread. It was just like, oh. Oh. it was, it was devastating. And I'll never forget this, this sweet boy, young boy that was, that was handing out the the young priesthood holder that was handing out the the water. I think he just knew. I think the spirit told him. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm feeling the confirmation of it all over again right now. The spirit told him he needed to go and get the bread for us, and he did. Somehow there was leftovers. Somehow he was able to go get bread, and he made sure that we got both the bread and the water. And I just felt like I felt like God was saying what you're what you're offering to me is good enough come and go as far as you can come and meet me i'll meet you where you're at and he did he met me where i was at he said it was good enough your offering that day was good enough and i'm out of time there's still lots more i want to talk about so i will do another episode for a part three of the Divorce Twilight Zone. So please, please come back. <laughs> <laughs>